there's still shoot 'em up games. There's still all kinds of you know kind of traditional video games. But I, I love the, the just the variety of stuff available now. Yeah, you guys just made an extremely compelling case for Stadia. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Big fan. Well, yeah. Welcome to Send News, the Inside Gaming podcast, where we talk all about video games for a whole hour. Get ready, team. I'm Brian, your host. I'm Zach, your co-host, according to Back Zoom. Again. Still can't get rid of me. Here in full 1080p video, Evan Campbell. <laughs> Man. Well, that doesn't make sense for people who just listen to this as a podcast. But That's if you're true. on YouTube or somewhere else, like roosterteeth.com, you can see my pretty face. Yeah, Which is funny you're, that you're rec- claiming to be recording in 1080 because it's probably just my connection on the Zoom call, but it looks like you're broadcasting from like the fucking Lego dimension right now on my screen. <laughs> That's all right. I'm broadcasting from my seven-year-old daughter's bedroom. Uh, oh, so, rad. Yeah, I needed nice. a quiet place. So Any that's port in why. the storm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, boys, let's talk about all the news. Pretty newsy week, I think. And uh, the one of the big stories this week was Take-Two announced. Of course, they're the parent company of 2K, of Rockstar. They said they are going to release a bunch of games in the next five years <laughs> 93 to be exact, like (laughs) a crazy amount. Now it's not going to be 93 AAA console and PC games. Some of those are going to be mobile. Uh, uh, Daniel Ahmad, the analyst uh, broke them down. He said 63 will be core experiences, 17 mid core games and 12 casual slash arcade titles. Still though, that's a huge amount of games. And uh, they said, it's not. It's probably not going to happen in the upcoming year because of all the pandemic, all the lockdowns. But uh, starting in the next fiscal year, basically March of next year, you're going to see a shitload of games. So, uh, a lot to look forward to eventually. I feel like anytime I hear a story like this, I always like second guess myself. I'm like, but wait, how many do they normally produce? Is this unusual for them yes they said it's the strongest pipeline in its history but i know what you mean it kind of feels like buying an old school game cartridge with like 50 <laughs> games inside yeah yeah and none of them are good right right yeah. exactly not as There's good a got- deal as the orange box the best deal in gaming history <laughs> yeah, yeah no i mean but as this far is as- take two i mean they own 2k they own rockstar i mean th- this is some quality stuff here it's it's I mean we talked about this uh, on today's daily on for for Thursday, um, but we were we were kind of making the distinction between what how they divvied these up. So it's like there's these co- mid core titles, then there's these like experiences and stuff. So I think that it's probably pretty safe to assume that this is going to cover the breadth of games from AAA, you know, flagship releases to free to play kind of mobile cash grab stuff because because. I would I would assume that uh, Take Two, like any games publisher right now, is looking to get their fingers in in whatever profit pies they can, bracing for the next couple of years of probably severe instability given the pandemic. Yeah, they yeah, do no. own a mobile developer also. I mean, they own a lot of things. They have a private label that's like indie focused, and they have a mobile too. So yeah, they they definitely have their fingers in everything. I mean, yeah, we cover games for a living, but there's a lot of this stuff could technically be under our under our radar too because you just don't know. Like when I think about EA, I think about like three major games, and I don't really consider any of the other games at all, like any of the mobile like racing games. And I'd probably somebody's feelings are hurt by that, but you think or like even Take Two, you're like Bioshock. 
Rockstar games, so either Grand Theft Auto or something uh, new or uh, Red Dead, right? And then like try to name any other Take Two games that aren't sports games. Yeah, that's that's right. Well, and Borderlands is, and Borderlands, is under there, sure. is under there yeah. too. Yeah, and they've got a bunch of I think ports coming out next week for the Switch, like Borderlands and XCOM and the Bioshock Collection. But yeah, that uh, it's um. I, I don't know it, it it on the face of it it sounds like whoa that's a lot of games um I, it'll definitely depend like is GTA six one of those okay then that's important it has to be right in five years you think we wouldn't see it or I think so yeah GTA something right yeah well, we no, we I, they were they were talking about how uh GTA was speculation according to speculation how gta 6 is in early development currently which actually is very surprising to me because i would have thought that they would have been farther into development than early at this point right uh, it's been it's been talked about for you like we did a gtx a gta 6 story like two years ago yeah i mean gta <laughs> yeah. I, I mean if you look at the timetable of gta releases i mean gta 3 or sorry gta 5 came out in 2013 Four came out in 2008, so it's already been that span of time. And I know that, like, obviously, Rockst- for now, and Rockstar's been focusing a lot on GTA Online, um, which you'd never know if you tried to play it, because mine keeps crashing oh. every 20 minutes. But yeah, like, they, I, I would have assumed by now that they would be significantly further into the dev process than being qualified as early, because I, I, I thought, like, 2021 wouldn't be a crazy time for for GTA 6 to come out so but we here we are having really we don't even have a, a teaser we don't have any so much as a tattoo on an arm so I bet we'll see it something this summer I'm sure with the with the two major console makers having big showcases for what they want to show on next gen I bet you we see a teaser of some kind I would be surprised though if if cuz you're right if GTA yeah. it, like I would be surprised if GTA 6 is a tries to be a launch title for for new consoles. I feel like GTA has been a, been pretty good, unless I'm completely blanking on something, GTA has been pretty good about kind of skirting into that secondary kind of launch time frame. Like with, when the PS2 came out, G, uh, GTA 3, I think, was... It was not a launch game, if I remember correctly, but it was like kind of hit that second wave of, of big titles. So I feel like maybe if next-gen consoles are, are, are actually going to come out um, holiday 2020 early 2021 then maybe like holiday 2021 kind of makes sense for GTA 6. The um yeah it's it's the the rumor has always been and I did some reporting on this a few years ago but it's it's apparently codenamed Project Americas mm. and it's kind of set in a couple places Vice City uh, aka sort of South Florida Miami and then also in South America with the idea kind of like a narcos thing you're running drug missions from yeah. South America to Florida, you're kind of working your way up the the cocaine empire, uh, possibly set in the 70s and 80s, which would be awesome, like music wise uh, to, uh, you know, uh, you can just think of the awesome soundtracks. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it you know, it, it sounds it, it sounds good. I, you know, anything from Rockstar, I feel like I'm automatically going to be interested in because they've set that quality bar pretty high and yeah they're finished with red dead too so and, and have been for a while so yeah it, yeah, feel, it feels years, like they're due yeah 
in five years, you'll probably be hearing about the next Red Dead or a new IP or something, whatever right. else they're going on. And then for GTA 6, it's like, just think about whatever big, like, cinematic or, like, great TV shows were on about five years ago, and you'll probably have a lot of influences from that. Right. So, like, <laughs> right, right. really, like, True Detective and, like, you're saying, yeah, like, Narcos and stuff. Yeah. That sounds right. Sure. And uh, um, I, I'm also curious as to what you guys think, because I feel like they're doing this because... Uh, business is up for every for every video game company because of the pandemic or, or most video game companies. Uh, they they reported their earnings for the last fiscal year that ended at the end of March. They were already starting to see a nice bump uh, because people are quarantined, people are playing more games. I, I'm wondering if that impacted this at all because they're thinking, look, people are locked down. Let's try to get them games as quick as humanly possible. Now that's a long process. But we might be locked down for a long time, too. Or some, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the tech companies uh, are, are saying don't come back until 2021. Google and Facebook said that. Twitter said you don't have to come back ever if you don't want to. So, <laughs> like, it's it's nuts out there. Yeah. Like, I, we I could be I've... looking at a long-term, basically, cultural shift here. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that we're definitely looking at that. And my favorite part of the Take-Two story was when... Um, I forget the position of the dude who was like a lead executive of some kind. And he was just like, you know, has this like current uh, pandemic helped us out quite a bit? Unconditionally or something. Oh yeah, like Strauss, Strauss Zelnick. Yeah. yeah, he was like, yeah. you hate to pat yourself on the back, but yeah, it's helped us. <laughs> he's, at least, at he's least like, yeah, we're a, doing fine. Yeah. yeah, at least being a straight, a straight shooter about it though. Cause like, I swear that's so refreshing being like, we, we've we've said on both this podcast and the daily on numerous occasions, be like, I wish GameStop would just be like, hey, yeah, we're, kind of having our moment here can you just let us have it it's like all right well at least strauss is and he wasn't, straight and and to be fair if you re read the whole quote he wasn't like being like yes this pandemic is awesome but he was admitting yes it undoubtedly helped our business like yeah. he was right yeah he was being honest oh and and there was a story out today facebook is planning on letting some employees work from home permanently so I think that's important because these are giant tech companies. Other companies will follow their lead. Once yeah, and they I think what's ex really, really exciting, uh, kind of what you're talking about before, Brian, is that now the ingenuity comes out of like the big company muscle to figure out how to make all this stuff work from home, right? right. Now we're going to get right. all kinds of new, interesting, like stuff that we'll never hear about or, or we'll never see, but all sorts of new like tech in terms of improving workflow for remote locations and stuff. Like now that take two, yep. like they see all this money on the horizon, right? And now it's about pulling out all the stops to get there. And I think every other big company, like you're saying, like Twitter and even Apple and any other huge companies uh, who's now in the business of making media, is like, okay, let's pull out all the stops. Let's get our people working from home. Or if we're going to bring people back in the office, let's set up all the protocols for that. They're going to they're gonna bend over backwards to figure out any way they can to make these 93 games or whatever it is, yeah. I'm sure. It, it's, yeah. I mean, the way we do, the way we work, it's changed us a, a lot. Mm. I mean, even like I've, I've worked remotely, but it was always in an office setting. I mean, I wasn't working <laughs> from home all the time. And so I, I think, um, and, and I think Zelnick said this too. He said that, that, um, a lot of people are kind of picking up games, trying them. And, but he thinks a lot of those people are going to become permanent gamers. Like it's not just going to be a temporary thing that, that you're going to, you're going to kind of um, indoctrinate some people permanently into this, this lifestyle that we all love. Yeah. The, the, the massive pool of people that play games is getting larger and that's exciting yeah. for anybody. And yeah. no, I disagree. Right? Get the fucking normies out of here. <laughs> <laughs> What's up with all these shoebies in my games? 
It's, I mean, I, I do think it is kind of addictive. I mean, number one, because the game gameplay loops can be extremely addictive. And I'm, I'm not talking about shitty mobile games. I'm talking about actual games. But um, I, I think one people when people kind of rediscover that, that they will get into it and, and sort of be, uh, I don't know, stoked about it. And, and they're fun. Games are a lot more interactive than, than movies or music or, or watching TV. And I, it, it scratches an itch that, you know, that to me, other media just, just doesn't. And they make a hell of a lot more money. They sure do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A movie doesn't charge you over and over again to watch it. Hmm. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, another big story. This is, um, about everybody's favorite franchise, Call of Duty. Still not dead. Still going strong. Still, every year, we're going to get a new death taxes and a new Call of Duty game. Uh, so this one leaked, as all Call of Duty games do. Uh, <laughs> the next one is going to be called Black Ops Cold War. Now, we knew, uh, or at least it had been heavily rumored, that Treyarch was going to make a new Black Ops on short notice because... Typically, they rotate uh, Treyarch, Infinity Ward, and Sledgehammer, but uh, there were some issues with Sledgehammer and Raven, so they they kind of tapped Treyarch to make another Black Ops. It's going to be Black Ops Cold War. Uh, The rumor is it's going to be kind of a reboot of Black Ops the same way uh, last year's Modern Warfare is, and... I, I don't know if, it, if it's anything like Modern Warfare, it's going to be successful because uh, Modern Warfare was pretty darn good. Yeah. I just hope and then looking forward to tell me about the numbers, Mason memes. That's all I'm I'm ready for. That's Black Ops, right? Alex Mason and then, oh, you know, I think the, so. Yeah. Sleeper I, cells and all that. It, it's funny because like in if, a if they are not using the the new engine that modern warfare uses i will be astounded because that will be a massive step backwards um because like love it or hate it i think modern warfare's engine feels the best cods felt in a long time what does it use i'm i'm not sure uh but it's but it's a like if you if you like if you play even up to blackout uh or black Black ops 4 like there's that same you can tell it's kind of that same engine or same iteration of an engine dated yeah it's it feels like modern warfare feels a lot more kinesthetic there's a lot more like um there's a lot like things feel like they have a little bit more mass things feel to me they feel a little bit heavier a little weightier um i think it's it's refreshing um but at the same time, you know, I mean, like, you know, these are all these Activision properties. They do share tech. So I would I, I would be astounded if Treyarch is not already had like, you know, now two years of familiarity with, with programming on this. New Surely. Modern yeah. Warfare engine. But like the bigger thing that's surprising to me is that um, I was really hoping maybe naively that they would finally just chill their biscuits and like hang with modern warfare for for a bit and try to because like if there were ever a game to to start the call of duty on the games as a service platform it's modern warfare i mean they've they've shown that they can do campaign they can do different iterations of multiplayer they can release Warzone, a whole new battle royale thing that um, trailer still gives me chills every time it shows up in my edit bin i watch the whole thing it, yeah and, and and it's that's the thing is that like this it's like okay this makes sense they've rebooted it, it mo- the, the name modern warfare already has a ton of clout and like is very much like a like a household name so for me it just made perfect sense to say okay now, now it's like this is we finally roll into like what Overwatch could have been before they said it was Overwatch Two. We think we could could have rolled into 
what Counter-Strike is, you know, and just iterate on this platform that gets more and more and more successful. Um, but it seems like in, in the typical vein of kind of the corporate publishing side that doesn't really know how to leave good enough alone, they, they've gone back to their old tricks and it's like, they're going to announce another one every year until we die. It's the same reason that Fortnite <laughs> couldn't just let their success keep rolling. They had to release a whole new map and make it chapter two because they had to put a you know fresh coat of paint on it because I, I don't know. It's the same reason Overwatch Two is coming out. It's like they can't leave well enough alone. And for me, that's really it's not it's not surprising, but it's disappointing because I think Modern Warfare is an amazing platform. And if they just kept iterating on that platform, I don't know. It's frustrating. I, it could be done. I don't know. I mean, I mean they they built Warzone on it, so I, I feel like if it if it you know, is as popular as they say it is. I, I don't think they'll leave it alone anytime soon. Well, that's that's the thing, though, is that like, like you could keep adding iterations to the because right now it is Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and that is like the hub, you know. And then there's right, spokes right. that are all successful, like Warzone and multiplayer, or whatever. But like now, it's like okay, we've built up this all this clout for Modern Warfare. It's like the biggest game on memes and like TikTok and everything, and it, and it's like. Now the entire you know landscape's going to shift to a new game where it gets the new focus and CDL right, and, right, and the esports right. teams are going to have you know World League is going to move over to that and I know that you know just from friends in the industry that 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 work um, in both esports and at, at Activision like I know that it's a huge point of frustration for for pro players where they are really sick of having to learn a new game every year even if the mechanics are largely the same it's like you're it still is, learning a new game yeah. every year and it's, you're yeah. cycles growth in a lot of ways too yeah it's it cycles is, growth yeah it is weird how they they pour so many resources into these games and market the shit out of them and then they do it all over again and i i know they're different i mean you know you had world war ii you had black ops 4 now you have modern warfare those are all in in different settings you know, different games, but yeah, it does feel like I feel the same way about like the, the Madden games and a lot of the sports games. It's like they, yeah. they just, um, you know, you could put a patch in and just update the rosters for all the teams, but you don't want to do that. You want to sell us a new $60 game every year. And yeah. And the burnout is real there because the differences sometimes are very minuscule, right? Like, right. Oh, we, oh, yeah. and it's like feature creep, you know, forever. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, we added this like special new feature that's only in this game. And it's like the equivalent of like checking or unchecking a box for yeah. like some extra physics or something like that. I well, mean, I don't know. And Brian, you hit the nail on the head. Like it, they yeah. definitely, as far Thank as call you. of duty goes. Yeah. You, you fucking just, oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as, as far as COD goes, like, man, like, how how cool would it be to see them stick to their guns and make Modern Warfare this this platform and be like, okay, uh, holiday 2020 or whatever, we're going to roll out um, a Black Ops DLC campaign. But it's not like they, they treat it in the same way that they treated Warzone, where it's like, okay, like, the entire platform is, it, is getting this reskin. It's like right. it's like when Overwatch would update for, like, a seasonal thing. It's like it would it would be in all aspects of each mode. So, like... You know, when you load up Modern Warfare, it'll be like, "There's here's an option for the Black Ops campaign. Here's like yeah. multiplayer, yeah. but it's kind of skinned Cold War stuff because that's the thing right now. And you could charge people thirty bucks or something <laughs> for it, but that's just on. That's the, goes back to you know Activision's corporate dumb bullshit. Um, well, and the and the only reason they released Warzone for free was to complete uh, compete with the Fortnites of the world and the Apex Legends. And it worked. And, yeah. yeah. No, it did. It, yeah, they're trying to kind of bust into that free-to-play market. And they tried with uh, the Blackout mode and Black Ops 4. It didn't work that great. So, yeah. uh, but the, the, 
you know, they're going to keep hammering until they do it. It's wild that they take those lessons and not other lessons. Like, obviously, League of Legends has been the same game forever. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, CSGO has been the same game forever. And those are, the, like, two of the biggest esports there are. And Dota, obviously. So it's like, there's definitely models out there where you can make a ton of money. Like, Riot hasn't even had to make another game until recently. And they just, like did it because they wanted to not because they financially that's the shit to, that is right? so mind-blowing to me yeah. at like riot games is literally right up the road from activision hq mm. in santa monica they are <laughs> stones throw distance away and it's like riot is literally showing you not that i'm condoning their workplace um <laughs> right sure thing. how to fart in your employees face yeah yes. but from a sheerly like product standpoint like riot has shown that it is very easy to just iterate and iterate yep. well. And that people are not you because you've, that you start to build an audience that is, that is farther, farther from fickle than COD's been in a long time. I don't know, man, like unless I don't know, cold war just seems like a huge step back to me. It's like, well, just keep, I don't know. Modern warfare. Is so uh, it's like, I'm ready for that to be the one that they sink their teeth into and invest in. And it's, I like all the jokes about Cold War being at ends with like the definition of Cold War and what Call of Duty games are, where there's actually no fighting in Cold War. It's all like espionage, right? Well, yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't say no fighting, but uh, you know, you, it, it's not like traditionally like the 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 huge set piece type of like battlefield moments that you would normally expect out of like a Call of Duty game. It's like no, like some secretary snuck into a back office and stole all these secrets about what the government is doing on one side or the other. Right. So, I mean, hopefully they put some of that stuff in there. I don't know. I'm watching Homeland right now, so I'm definitely in that mode of just yeah. sort of espionage, CIA shit. Yeah. Um. I. I. Yeah. It. It. I. I guess I. No, I don't understand why they do a yearly update. It sucks. And and I think Zach's exactly right. Like, if you if you have a good one, keep people on that. Just just make that the best game you can be. It can be iterate. And, and, you know, uh, I think people will stick with you. And as Fortnite has shown, and like you said, League of Legends, people have played those games for years and years. <laughs> League of Legends especially, Jesus Christ. And it's basically the same game. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think that first-person shooter genre, though, is pretty crowded. Whereas, like, League, that's, you know, that and Dota are the only, you know, MOBAs left standing. So... That might have something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, and it brings up like Valorant too, right? Like, is it going to come in and clean up everybody's lunch? Because Riot knows how to support a game in that way, and they probably will use the same model that they used to make Riot successful. So yep. now, are you at risk of losing all of your pro Call of Duty players to a different first-person shooter? Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, Valorant's the biggest game on Twitch right now, and it's not even out yet. It's in closed beta, um, and it's f like famously having tech issues for people trying to get in. Like, I got. I successfully got a code to the closed beta and I haven't been able to run it yet. Um, and I've seen a ton of people online with the same issues, but like despite riots, the bad taste and well, you know, people's mouth with a lot of riots, business practices and like even, you know, up until. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's all nobody. Like it's all under the rug. Nobody's thinking. Yeah. About no. That. Yeah. It's, it's a, like, yeah. Give me those beta keys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They can, so, they can still, yeah. Command a lot of influence yeah. or pay a lot of influencers to play it. Yeah. Yeah. Point point is you won't be seeing Valorant two ever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, all right, let's move on to Sony, and we've heard a lot uh, from Microsoft and the Xbox Series X. 
Not not as much from Sony. Uh, uh, Microsoft's already had like a games showcase of third party games. It didn't go over that well. Uh, people kind of thought it was lacking, but they have been showing us a lot. And Sony, not as much with the PS5, but they said they had a corporate strategy meeting Tuesday. Uh, company CEO Kenichiro Yoshida said games for the PS5 that deliver this new game experience are being made by both first and third party developers. And we plan to introduce a compelling lineup of titles soon. That magic <laughs> soon. Some people think that means we're going to get a June kind of a, a, a event or a direct style thing. But uh, so given that it's Sony, given that it's the PS5, Given that they're, you know, made their bones from exclusives, uh, uh, that got a lot of people excited. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's interesting too, though, because we're coming up to a uh, ramping up point where they're about to finish two of their exclusives. So that immediately knocks two of those big teams off of potential PS5 exclusives. Until Last later of Us on, Two right? and Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, Last of Us Two and Ghost of Tsushima. So you won't see anything from Sucker Punch, or. Um, Naughty Dog for at least, you know, two or three years, right? But, I mean, that does still leave you with um, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, potentially, right? And Spider-Man and maybe, like, Days Gone 2, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I, I the, the main ones I was thinking of, yeah, was Horizon 2 and Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And uh, maybe maybe God of War, I think you see a trailer, but I don't think they're going to... That's not going to launch with the PS5, Hell right? no. Hell no. Yeah. No, I mean, there's clearly something big that they still have to reveal if they are, are trying to position... You know, if the games industry is trying to position this, you know, summer games blowout thing, like, they've already uh, revealed that, you know, that huge chunk of gameplay from Ghost of Tsushima, um, which I didn't realize until that gameplay, but they, I guess they're pronouncing it Tsushima. Oh. Tsushima. Ghost of oh. Tsushima. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, like... I will I will I would be astounded if that is their if that is their big gameplay reveal the summer cuz a they haven't had that you know big Sony like sit down here's our direct like press conference We don't even know what the thing. box looks like yeah um and and frankly like goes to Tsushima um <laughs> that that gameplay kind of was I found it kind of disappointing like I I think it's it was cool it looked good I think it's very very clearly uh like derived from it's inspired by Breath of the Wild, I think that like that's Ghost of Tsushima is like maybe one of the f on the bleeding edge of open world games that we're going to start to see trickling out of the next few years that are really taking influence from Breath of the Wild as far as like, hey, instead of just scanning your mini map and looking for the next icon, like why don't you look at the horizon and see what looks cool and then go there. But yeah, and like the wind blows in the direction of your next objective to like help guide you without like a yeah it, yeah, stuff yeah like I yeah exactly and I I think that's all fine and good I just I. I don't know. Like I, I watching that 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 um, gameplay demo, I was just like, yeah. Oh, As okay. someone who right. who loves stealth games, like when I played the first Dishonored, I did like a complete passive run, um, like no detection, right? Like that's how I play those types of games. And sometimes I have to stay stay away with stay away from them for that reason because it takes me too long to finish them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like watching the Ghosts of Tsushima gameplay, it's uh, there's like a lot of stuff in there that we've already had in like a hundred games right like stealth kills from behind and sneaking up and distraction and there wasn't really any like new gameplay mechanics in that way and maybe they're just holding back for now but yeah like like you said i was a little underwhelmed by that but it looks the the visual aesthetic is fantastic. It, yeah it, lo it yeah. looks cool i think i think that maybe i was i would i think that when they first showed off that game 
it looked like they're, I don't know if, I don't want to speak for y'all, but it looked like it was almost going to be very, very focused specifically on the sword play as like a cinematic experience where you're going to have that not like traditional third person action camera angle. There was going to be this almost like pulled back lower to the ground cinematic angle. And like clearly the cinematography of the game is important to them because they've revealed, you know, all of the different like camera modes and the filters, like the black and white, like old film grain filter for, to make it look like a samurai movie. But like, I, like yeah, Evan. I you know you said I I, I watched that gameplay and I f- I feel like I've seen this game yeah. before or at, at the very least it's like this this like amalgamation of like a hundred different games I've seen and it's I I don't know it's just to me like I uh, mentally kind of fairly quickly checked it off as like open world Sony first party game let's go like <laughs> <laughs> right right I'm gonna have to wait for some reviews or for uh, some word of mouth from friends who played it the, before the other thing. Sorry, go ahead, Brian. No, that that's it. That's that's all I have to say about it. I, I think just it like, looks promising, but but I, I I'm gonna have to, my the jury's still out. And the thing about Horizon Zero Dawn and Spider Man is those are both very different games, you know, visually and in terms of like narratively what they're doing. But you know, in terms of open world games where you go out and and you know complete side quests and stuff, they're similar in that regard. So it's like the variety of games you're gonna get on the PS5 like maybe is not gonna match. Uh, and people are, you know, kind of dumping on Xboxes in the past. They haven't had strong exclusives, but they've got like six teams that they just bought yeah. and they're all queued up to make new stuff. So I think that's interesting. I mean, maybe for Sony, we could get a, a new Insomniac like launch title. Uh, they have two teams. They have a studio in North Carolina as well as in Burbank. And so probably yep. it's a safe to assume that North Carolina or that Burbank is working on Spider-Man. Maybe that North Carolina team, which does like VR stuff and they've done like ratchet spinoff games in the past. Maybe there's a new ratchet. I don't know. I, yeah, I, think, I, I think you made a good point in, in terms of just open world first party Sony game. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like they have like a, a type now of, of <laughs> exclusive that they make. Whereas I, I don't know. I, I think Microsoft, you know, some of the studios they've been buying Obsidian in exile, Ninja Theory, I maybe some Double more fine. interesting. Yeah. Some, I, I don't know, maybe a little bit more of a variety of, of stuff not that not that the sony exclusive that they haven't been good they definitely have been but yeah spider-man's gonna be awesome right but. right the the first one was great but but it does feel like it we're kind of narrowing in on a sony type of game You're right well and hey the big thing to keep in mind here is that like again to iter- to to reiterate like we have still not had sony's anything even resembling what sony's summer Right. Uh, press conference, direct, right. whatever you want to call it, is going to be, and you have to imagine that that of course you know they're going to check the boxes for their their owned uh, properties, but like we have to know that there's going to be some some unexpected new, new IP, something that looks cool. I mean, they uh, we we will get something substantial that if it's not coming out, you know, in the, in the next year or two, it'll it'll at least be that new thing to tantalize us. Now that we're, you know. Ghost of Tsushima, we've seen what it is now, and it's not this, like, ethereal thing anymore, but, like, Sony's very yeah. good about always keeping that, like, ethereal, oh, this game's going to change the landscape, though, so. This is, a, touched- this is a chance for them to kind of mic drop on Microsoft a little bit. If they announce, oh, like, sure. a big exclusive, uh, you know, next month, I think it'll be a way to kind of just snatch all that attention right away. Yeah. Bloodborne 2. Blood- yeah. I was going to say oh, Bloodborne 2. Oh, that, would, that would be it. Yeah, even yeah. if it's not going to be out in five years. Dynasty yeah. Warriors 10. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, I, sorry, go ahead, Evan. No, I was just gonna say for the PS4 launch, there like we we always have like a short memory when it comes to like console wars stuff. But like the PS4 launch was widely saved by a bunch of like 
obscure indie games, yeah. um, as well as like all of these promise of like the Final Fantasy VII remake and uh, the Last Guardian and, and some like weird stuff that they just pulled out that didn't come out for years later. So I wonder if we'll see stuff like that. Like Japan Studio probably has a weird collab. You know, they helped work on on Bloodborne. So I don't it, know. Yeah, maybe it, we'll see. If it I'm also, sure. you know. I, I think they were helped quite a bit by Microsoft screwing up the Xbox One <laughs> yeah, rollout. So and and, and the, main, the main thing I remember about the PS4 rollout was they had that little commercial about how to share your game on a PS4. And I think that was where they just handed it to... Yeah, Adam other, Boys and... Yeah, and it was just... Shugashita. They just sort yeah. of destroyed them. I, I don't even remember like a specific <laughs> game, but it was like, it was like, yep, okay. Well, I guess I'm going with Sony then. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's move on and talk about Anthem. We're not going to beat up on them too bad because it's sort of dead already. But uh, the uh, the reboot team, we got a note from um, uh, the guy who is leading their reboot. And I thought he, you know, he did a nice job. His name is Christian Bailey, and it's being let out of Bioware's Austin office. And he posted this very sweet picture of him and his... Uh, his new baby and he had dogs all around him. So off to already tugging at our heartstrings. Um, he was kind of talking about the reboot because obviously we all know Anthem got off to a terrible start. They announced they were going to reboot it, kind of do a 2.0, but that is a long way away. He announced the, the team, but it's like 30 some odd people. He said they're right now in the, uh, they are starting to validate their design hypothesis and he's calling it the Anthem Incubation Team. So um, we've got a ways to go before I think this is, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I think that it, this isn't going to happen overnight by any means. So they're they're investing long term in it. So I guess that's good if you spent the money on Anthem. But um, it just seems like, God, I feel like they're kind of throwing good money after bad at this point. It's been such a roller coaster with that game. I remember the E3 that they were showing it off on, and I was working on like some Nvidia production stuff at the time, and they had like a like a separate like behind the scenes demo booth just for Anthem running yeah. on the Nvidia tech, and people were coming out of that just being like, "Oh my god, I've never seen anything this like this." This looks so cool. The flying, yeah. the suits, yeah. And then when that second round of like gameplay demos went out, everyone's like, "Oh, oh no, oh no, this isn't this yeah. isn't it." So it, it's it's sad. Like that's a game I want to be really excited about. Um, like I bought it, I downloaded it, I just haven't played it because the reviews came out and are so bad. So I just end up playing other stuff. You never and just really have been... played it. No, it's <laughs> oh, just sitting man. in my. I look at it every time I turn oh, on should, my. You my should PS4. go like just for the sake of your gaming oh. vocabulary. I feel like it's it's worth like booting it up and just seeing firsthand kind of what a, a beautiful mess it is. Because like I, I I remember that demo that that was released. I had a ton of fun with that, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be. Uh, oh, see, I played the demo and thought, yeah, I don't want this. <laughs> I see. I thought the exact opposite. I, I was oh, like, well, there's cool. there's a ton of issues, but this is you know the demo. There, this is not final release. There's going to be a lot of like the bugs are going to get worked out, and then like, lo and behold, nope. Uh, and launch was just as uh, as big of a mess as the demo painted that it would could have not been. So I I feel like I don't know, man. Like if you, I think at this point you owe it to yourself to just go check it out just so you can have experience firsthand what we've all been I, reporting on, you know? I, I want to do that for sure, and especially before the changes come, because I really, really like the aesthetic. Like, I want to play that game, and I'll, I'll get to it eventually, and I definitely want to do it before the changes come, just so, I, like I like you said, just kind of have that You can be an old schooler, yeah. Yeah, totally. Or, like, get in on the... I, yeah. I, I do feel like it is... It, 
it is a good idea for a game. I think the 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 suits are cool. Um, it it just but yeah, the execution would just from what I played was not there. And and then there's just you need so much content for something like that for a live service game like that and to keep rolling it out and and they constantly had to just fix core problems over and over and over and i still don't think they you know have have completely ironed it out so for the people who bought it i i i hope they feel like at some point they get their money's worth if you if you do already god bless you you can probably get it for like 10 bucks now but um it it I, I, I am a little bit surprised that they're still sticking with it because this is Bioware, but more more to the point, this is EA and they have no problem pulling the plug on things. But yeah. I guess Bioware talked them into it. I don't know. There are examples of this working out, right? Like I think Rainbow Six Siege was a game that wasn't like super well loved at first. Right. And Diablo 3 was a fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the Final Fantasy 14 also, right? Didn't have a huge... Yeah was a disaster they had to shut it down for years and came back and it's great now no man's sky very famous example oh yeah no man's sky yeah yeah so it it can be done and i think that's what's exciting for me is like if they manage to to pull it out right like it's such a it's a much more exciting story and like i think it it could like you know get people to to come check it out yeah Yeah. best case scenario it's one of those games where your friends are like hey man have you played anthem lately and you're like no fuck no and they're like no 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 it's actually good now and you're like really they're like yeah you can get it for you know you can get it on sale for five bucks and it's okay and so maybe you check it out i don't know i i hope that for them as as many videos we have done on anthem i i do hope that i i don't root for it to fail and and i hope but you know, I hope that they can eventually make lemonade out of this, but it's we're not there yet, and we're we're not close. I don't think. Yeah, the, the disheartening thing is to hear that they've like haven't really even started. I was like, okay, maybe that anthem update is coming like holiday, and that would be great. No, you know, it sounds like we're still the in the thirty dudes in a room phase, like brainstorming, yeah. squeeze yeah. some capitalist of that bioware magic out, and <laughs> yeah. season that lemonade, aka crunch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, All right, we're going to get to the questions very quickly. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. First of all, you know them, you love them, ExpressVPN. Uh, They have been a great sponsor for us. Guys, being stuck at home these days, you probably don't think too much about internet privacy on your own home network. You fire up incognito mode on your browser. Nobody can see what you're doing, right? Wrong. You are wrong. Even in incognito mode, your online activity can still be traced even if you clear your browsing, even if you clear your browsing history, your ISP can still see every single website you've ever visited. Do you want that? I sure as hell don't. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN. So what does it do? It makes sure it makes sure your ISP can't see which sites you visit. Instead, your internet connection is rerouted through ExpressVPN's secure servers. Each ExpressVPN server has an IP address that's shared among thousands of users. What does that mean? It means everything you do is anonymized. It can't be traced back to you. Look, this is just something you want to do these days. Uh, Lots of people track you. A VPN is just smart. Keep yourself anonymous. It also encrypts 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption. Your information is always protected. So protect your online activity today with the VPN that I trust to secure my privacy, visit 
our special link, expressvpn.com slash sendnews, S-E-N-D-N-E-W-S, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash sendnews, expressvpn.com slash sendnews to learn more. Thank you so much to ExpressVPN. They have been great to us. And we have a new sponsor, I what? think. Yes. Get stoked, guys. Native. Native. Now, let me just ask you, did you know that many conventional deodorants contain aluminum, which forms a plug in your sweat glands to keep you from sweating? Yikes. No, thank you. Native's deodorant is made without aluminum. You don't want a deodorant with aluminum. I've had a million friends tell me this. So you can feel better about what you're putting on your body. It's safe. Native deodorant is formulated, no aluminum, no talc, no parabens. It's also vegan, never tested on animals. See, you can feel good about yourself. Make the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant. It doesn't mean you have to sacrifice on performance. That's what people always worry about. But guess what? Native, it's going to keep you smelling and feeling fresh all day long. And guess what? Even if you're at home on the computer, you still sweat. I sweat. I'm writing these scripts out. And I look and I'm like, oh, I need to change my shirt now. I've kind of sweated through this for some reason. Native has over 10 cents, including their classics and rotating seasonals. You're guaranteed to find one you love. Their classic scents include coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. I personally am into the charcoal one. You smell like a man, charcoal, like you were out grilling. But it is kind of a nice... It does, it does smell very nice. Oh, and guess what? Also, Native is super excited for the relaunch of their toothpaste line. Now, most natural toothpaste feel like natural toothpaste during brushing, gritty, little to no foaming, limited freshening power, and without the clean mouth feeling you expect after brushing your teeth, not Native's toothpaste. Uh Uh-uh, they use a special blend of naturally derived cleansers, flavors, and whitener. It's a great brushing experience without the trade-offs of other natural toothpaste. Got two minty flavors, whitening wild mint and peppermint oil. Those sound delicious. It's made without triclosan, sulfates, artificial preservatives, or parabens. Basically, just none of the good stuff. It doesn't have that. And it does. It works. Mine charcoal all day. All day I can write scripts and smell great at the end of it. So, for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com. Use Send News, S-E-N-D-N-E-W-S, during checkout. 20% off the first purchase. That is a great deal. Nativedeodorant.com. That's N-A-T-I-V-E, and then deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Use the promo code Send News during checkout. Thank you, Native. We appreciate it. We got sponsors. We're, we're making it. All right. Let's go to the questions, you guys. This is my favorite. And we got some good ones uh, this time of year. Christian Simmers, what game genre do you think should get more mainstream press? What game genre? So not game mm. specifically. What genre do you think should get more mainstream press? Hmm. I'll mean, I I f- oh, go ahead, Evan. The easy answer is probably indie games because they do tend to blow up. But, you know, that's like where games like Undertale come from and then they like really blow up. But there's a lot of other games that aren't Undertale that are actually like really good or fun or interesting. And I think it's just it's hard to for a lot of outlets to cover those games because it's it's like so much. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah. 
it's hard to know like what the good stuff actually is. And then also like even if you do know what the good stuff is, like you're gonna risk trying to be like the the trumpet blower, like saying, Hey everyone, come look at this, and then just like crickets, like nobody will listen to you. Then nobody will read your article or watch your video or whatever potentially. So it's it's a weird chicken and egg situation, I think. But yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes on there. The other thing I would say is probably esports. And I know people are probably like their eyes are rolling out of their head, but I think there's a lot of interesting storylines there that people could really get behind. Like the characters, and I say characters well knowing that they're players and, and like actual people, but like the characters and drama on the FGC is just wild. Are you follow. into that? Are you into all that stuff? I mean, I worked at Yahoo Esports for two years before okay. it got shut down. So, so you got like, you got into yeah. it all the story. I, I, I try to like hold my esports takes back because I know I can like <laughs> talk about it forever. But yeah, th- there's just like some, some like really give wild me stuff give me there. an example, and you don't have to name names. But what what like kind of drama happens? That's interesting? oh boy, there's like there's for example, um, okay, one of the best moments that I covered was when this dude Li Joe made it to the Evo top eight, and he's yeah. just like this punk kid from New York. Okay, um, who I'm like, walking was, he. Yeah, he was seated. He's very much that like CBGB's like full sleeves on both his arms and stuff like. Oh, like pulled, uh, like he should be in a band or something. Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, like he he wasn't like expected to be in the top eight at all at Evo and just like climbed the ranks. And his his when he made the top eight the night before grand finals, his dad, they flew his dad out to like come and watch him play. And it was just, like this crazy, like emotional experience, like just stuff like that. Like there's feel good stuff. There's also like the terrible stuff where it's like, you know, people are like there's like beef that goes on between players. That stuff's really fun. To, That's awesome. Really, really yeah. fun to follow. And like, there's, there's storylines and, and things that I think like people would appreciate. Um, but yeah, like I, I get it. It's, it's a lot to take in. And if I wasn't like subjected to it because of work, like I probably wouldn't have been as into it either. Yeah. I, I remember um, there was a documentary and it was online really long on smash brothers players on melee players. Mm. And uh, it was like a four hour. I think it's called the Smash Brothers or something. Yeah, I think yeah, it's just the the Smash Brothers. They call it the yeah. They just call it the documentary. It is. Yeah. It was, and I don't. I don't. I mean, I played Smash, but I don't play it competitively. It was fascinating. Like all the different personalities, kind of like you said, like it, it just people from all these various uh, walks of life who played this game and then, and, and it was completely this underground, like not supported by Nintendo. And this was oh, like yeah. early two thousands, you know, all uh, the, all the crew beef, the East coast, yes, West coast, yes. and like and, North Cal, SoCal. And, and, oh, yeah. yeah. It's still all very vibrant today. Oh, yeah. uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And they didn't yeah. play together. They didn't play online against each other. They would get together, bring <laughs> their game cubes and hook them up, you know, to, to screen. So it was, uh, kind of a little bit of a bygone era but uh i was fast i've watched it multiple times it's just yeah fascinating yeah and you can watch it and still learn about like some of the major players like it's all different now since melee is kind of done but right. like some of those guys are still around like hugs hungry box is obviously big and is like a lot of weird drama yeah, too. yeah. i think he was kind of a scrub in this uh documentary or nobody <laughs> liked him or something people still feel that way about him but <laughs> you know he's also like one of the best players in the world and you know that's like all part of it like all the drama people go back right. and forth of like he's only good because the other like five gods or whatever stop playing or the other four gods stop playing or yeah whatever. any like, any yeah. scene like that i mean you know uh, like the the stand-up scene here in austin has all kinds of like little petty drama and stuff so yeah, whenever you get more than, you know, 10, 20 people together, yeah, you're going to have just all these little 
petty yeah. rivalries that are awesome. <laughs> and League has it too because they have like teams of five. So oh, like God. when yeah. like one of your MVPs goes to like the opposing team where they had beef before, it's just like this huge thing and people like to go crazy. So right. yeah, I, I recommend like checking it out. I don't know. I don't have like a good recommendation for like w- maybe like the dot esports, the story of said player or whatever. But if you have a game that you particularly like, there's definitely like find a player that you like and you can find like all kinds of weird drama stuff. I, I don't know if I think it should get more mainstream press, and this mm. isn't really a genre, but uh, speedrunning I think is fascinating, uh, and some of the some of the things that these people can pull off, uh, uh, like on you know uh, just from crazy hard Mario levels in Mario Maker Two, or, or some of these no hit runs that people do in Dark Souls games, it's just it, it is mind blowing to me, and it. it once you get into watching that stuff, it's very, very addictive. I think first-person shooters need more press. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Just ninja. Yes, definitely. Give that guy I want play. Battle Royales to have it's more time in the spotlight. Um, Trash Can Man asks, do you ever get burned out on games? I sure have the last week or so after playing a lot of stuff since quarantine started. Stay trashy. Thank you, Trash Can Man. Yes, definitely. Uh, I, I went through a, a phase, I think, a couple weeks ago where I was just, uh, I just want to read a book now. I'm, I'm tired of, <laughs> I want to just, you know, maybe watch a show or read a book, just do something else. Uh, I have never and will never because I'm a real gamer. You're legit. Uh, I'm not some diet Walmart brand gamer. I'm the real <laughs> deal, baby. I'm cold steel. Uh, <laughs> no, I think everybody gets burnt out of like, certain things every now and then but I feel like also now more than ever you're there's there's almost always something you're playing if you're like even if it's you know I know Brian you're, you play Hearthstone you know I, yep. I would imagine that even in times where you're you're getting burnt out on on whatever like mainstay games you have I mean you probably still go back to Hearthstone on the toilet or whatever so yeah totally yeah or, or just like as a side uh, uh thing and that's just like a real quick uh game but like yeah I'm, I've gotten back into Animal Crossing um, I'm playing uh, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch, for some nice. reason. I'm sort of getting ready uh, in my mind for uh, uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles remake. I'm really excited yeah. about that to come out. And then um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I you know I, I remember just like in my life, like sort of late high school, early college. I kind of quit playing and then came back to it. You know, I think you go through. Oh, I'm kind of done with this or. You know, you're, That's once true, you yeah. once you can get a car and like drive around, like I'd I'd, I'd rather hang out and get drunk rather than just uh, play <laughs> yeah. video games somewhere. Yeah. I think that's just subconsciously because you believed all the lies, man. That yeah, yeah. You play too many video games, you'll never amount to anything. I I, de- I definitely went through that the same period of time. I quit for almost a whole year. That, that I, is true. Yeah, you you're, yeah. yeah. I remember in early college. Yeah, that was that was a, a basically year and a half long period where I didn't really do anything other than fuck around in GTA four, um, which I had been doing for years prior. Um, but then I remember, uh, red dead redemption came out, uh, and Skyrim within the same kind of window. I think those are both 2010, 2011. Um, right. Or was, am I thinking of red dead redemption as 2008? Uh, I'm, I'm, I think it was actually, I don't remember. I remember, I just remember. Okay. I do remember Skyrim came out in 2011 though. And like, who that sucked me back in. I was, I was, I think that was also like, I wasn't living in a tiny little like bunk bed dorm anymore. Like we had, we had like a a decent 
apartment with like a living room with a television that you could sit more than a few feet away from and see what was happening. So it, it also changes very much on your life circumstances. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I know you know this, Evan, but yeah, like uh, having kids and stuff. Uh, not conducive to you just sitting and playing games for eight hour marathons anymore. Not, not even 30 minute marathons. Nah, yeah. No, it just, it, it completely changes. I play a lot more like switch now and just sort of like portable hold the baby stuff. with one hand and hold yeah. the switch with the other. Oh yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's definitely interesting. Like now that we work from home, like I had to explain to my three year old who doom guy was the other day and right. I, w- I wasn't ready for that. She just like, like saw a glimpse of it. Definitely, she like walked into my office. I feel like you like, de- definitely run the risk of like becoming one of those TikTok memes where you're like accidentally, you know, like put the baby on the switch dock or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> just turn it sideways. And, and, it, and uh, uh, party games or stuff you, you get, uh, we at least get more into, you know, uh, Mario Party Overcooked was a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, the Mario games where, you know, everybody can play together. That's a lot of fun. So yeah, it just changes. But but um, Nintendo really scratches that itch a lot, just in terms of like they they have always loved sort of co op home games like that. Smash, Mario Kart. You know, I find myself coming back to those a lot. One thing um, that I like on a little more serious note that I notice is like I tend not to play as many games when I get bummed out, and I don't know if it's because of a situation where it's like, I don't want to do things that I enjoy when I'm like super bummed like yeah. that. And I just end up watching TV or so like, yeah, be aware of that too. Like that, that could be a thing that's like affecting, like if that's you're feeling out, yeah. like, there might be something else that's just like bumming you out and isn't making you enjoy your games as much. Or like maybe you're subconsciously punishing yourself or something. I, I don't know. I'm not yeah. a professional, but I just, is a thing that I noticed recently. Um, and then also there's the other thing where it's like, I've noticed that playing too many games will make me bummed out. <laughs> like if I go way too hard on them. Yeah. If you go too hard, maybe. Like, oh, yeah. what did I just do? <laughs> I, I always with, with like kids and everything, I was into a situation where it's like 11 o'clock and I'm like, I should not start playing games right now. Yeah. I will play for three hours yep. and I'm not going to stop. Yep. But then I end up like, just like, okay, I'll just watch a show. And then I watch like four episodes or five episodes yep. of the show. And yep. they're like, now oh, it's three o'clock anyway. So I should have just played. You know yep. what game I always play when I get bummed out? What's that? Guitar Hero Live for PlayStation oh, yeah. 4. Let's go. No, you don't. No, you don't. No. Let's I, go. Nobody plays that game. Oh, fucking I worked on that guitar. game. I thought you were about to bust out the guitar. No, they're they're collecting dust in a closet in the living room. I don't think I've touched them in years. Um, Let's see. Uh, somebody asked, which P- Alexander Pamal, which PS5 launch titles do you all think are going to be announced? I think we talked about that a little yeah. bit. Um. Uh, I think announced in it that are actual coming out are two big different things. <laughs> True. You know? I yeah. think God of War 2 could easily get announced. Horizon and Spider-Man are definitely getting announced, but it's just a question of whether or not what's going to be playable at launch. Maybe they have nothing for like the first three months, which would be a disaster. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, Rodrigo Cabrera, do you see yourselves working on video game news scene for the next five to ten years? If so, what would you like the top gaming stories from 2025 and 2030 be? Wow, that's a lot of questions, Rodrigo. Yeah, um, uh, I, wow. I like covering uh, this. I'm almost uh, I'm coming up on four years at Rooster Teeth, and it's been a great job to have. Like I, I still sort of you know remind myself that wow, I can't believe I have this job. I, you know, you feel very fortunate. You know, at the same time, it's it's still definitely a job, and there's things that you cover. It's like oh, I don't really feel like writing about this, but um, you know, the the news kind of dictates everything. And I've I've kind of always been in news for most of my career, so 
Yeah, that would be cool to be um, doing that for the next five to ten years. I would like the top story to be they finish the Final Fantasy VII remake <laughs> at some God. point in the next ten years. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think, I think, frankly, you know, games media and all what we're what I'm doing right now is is really just a stepping stone on the way to what I really want to do, which is cover. Um, like the local stand-up comedy scenes. Hell uh, yes. I want to move to. There's you know, a lot of money in that. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to. My ideally, I would. Uh, my next career path would be step would be you know move to you know Milwaukee uh, maybe and and just write about um, the Milwaukee heavy hitters that I think will maybe break into like Second City Chicago in, in ten years. Um, that's ultimately what I, I want to die doing. That I want to die writing about. Um, petty local stand-up comedy feuds for ideally also a print publication. Just get um, just get invited to one of their little Facebook groups uh, in the scene. You will have all the drama you need. I that's, uh, that's like hell. Yeah, I mean, I, I like <laughs> real, realistically, like yeah. I mean, I, I don't I know. Games have always been my my thing. Like yeah, that's yeah. you know, like I love my movies and I love my TV and I love my music, obviously. But like the you know, as far as my I don't know. Like, I've, I, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and we start talking about games, I'll, I'll light up and immediately have like a ton to contribute. And you know, that's just kind of my always been my thing. Right. Um, I've always been very specifically passionate about games media. Um, I remember like, you know, I've told the story a few times of like scraping up allowance money and like going to the Weigels and you know across the street from my house in fourth grade and slapping it down on the counter. I could barely see over and being like, I'd like a subscription to official PlayStation magazine, please, or whatever. He's like, well, I can sell you a magazine and then you have to like fill out a postcard to get that. And I was like, okay. But like, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean like I, I've, I've, I've worked in, in the um, dev side of the industry too. I actually started my career on the dev side of the industry um, and then went to media, which I think is actually kind of usually it's the opposite. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I, I think that like as, as the YouTube landscape changes, as the like uh, micro content TikTok era starts to unfurl. I, I think there's still it's a really exciting time to be in in any form of media, not just games. So as long as I'm, I'm I just got myself very lucky that I feel like I have that pocket of uh, the industry that I am passionate about and can can kind of like specialize in and just hone my craft over the years to come. Yeah, that's how that's how I felt like in in, in the sense of just very fortunate. I I never thought I would be able to make a living in any way connected to video games. So it's, um, it it feels very gratifying. And I, I'm just sort of like what my career plans are just to keep this going for as long as I can. (laughs) Yep. Evan, what about you? Yeah. I mean, I will definitely be in games in the next five to 10 years for sure. I think the upside about being on the new side of it is you get to play everyone's games and like cover a large breadth of games. But like, yeah, actually, um, when I started, when I finished college, I went to grad school for a bit for like game design, but the the program was like a little bit sketchy, so I ended up dropping out. Uh, and it's weird. Like I've still always wanted to be a part of that, but I just like ended up finding a niche in like uh, editing. Like I taught myself how to edit video and like and, and covering games, and because I just spent so much time reading game sites, ended up at like game trailers and stuff for a short time, um, and for like freelance contracts and stuff. And it was just like I never want to leave this. Like right, uh, right. in some form or capacity, I would love to be. I will be in the games industry, no doubt. Um, 
but yeah, like news is great. Like I love all the stories. I love following all the narratives and, and seeing the trends and the patterns like we kind of do here. Um, but also, yeah, I like the idea of like making games and being able to contribute in that way. That's in some cool. Way. And, yeah. And uh, yeah. I, and I, I think like, I've never thought of myself on the making the side of things, but that that's really cool. Yeah. And then uh, I think the story I'd probably want to see is like Ninja drops the N word again or something. <laughs> he just hasn't learned his lesson in five years. I think that was, Pew- was that PewDiePie or was it Ninja or was it both? Both. Did Ninja have a slip? I think they both have. I think they both have. Yeah. PewDiePie uh, definitely has. To be fair, that is a threshold that you have to cross to get to their level of success. Is you, have, you have to, uh, you know, well, hit that milestone eventually. Remember when I that maybe, used to be a career killer? <laughs> yeah, probably some other stories like VR still isn't it. I don't know. Maybe I hope Star Citizen fans get justice, like to get a game that is worthy of all this money. I, ideally, uh, ideally, I'm seriously like, uh, it would, it's not a headline. It wouldn't be one headline, but like a, 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 I, I hope that by five to ten years from now that um, we are well past the console wars phase of, of home gaming. Yeah, and I, yeah. I would really hope that we've... Le- I mean, it'll just be replaced with like the launcher wars or whatever the fuck, but like <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'm I'm very much sick of the the the, the specifically the console wars narrative that's been going on for oh i never get tired of it. ever um, <laughs> just let me see all the fire i love all that nah, stuff. and like, I, I i'm so uh, excited for just like way 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 more accessibility in games i mean like mm-hmm. I, you know i've spoken very highly of uh, apple arcade i feel like a lot and the fact that there's um a ton of Apple Arc, like if you like if you're uh, talk about being able to like experience games in a way that you haven't before, like you you can play Apple Arcade games on your phone with a PS4 controller hooked up to Bluetooth, and you can play games like Oceanhorn, and it is basically just a Zelda 3D Zelda action game on your on your phone, and it plays wonderfully, and it's Dang. very affordable, and it's like man, That's if cool. I, god damn, like are you kidding me? If I like I remember growing up and and you know playing driver two because i was just like foam you know uh fogging at the window of like gta3 because i didn't have a ps2 yet and i was like well it's just kind of the closest i can get and i'm like man i wish 10 year old zach would have had access to something like apple arcade where it's like it's this amazing library of of games that are not just like tap your screen shit like you could actually connect a controller i i am um along those lines i i do i think cloud gaming still has a ways to go but i i do like the idea of kind of moving beyond local hardware and and just sort of being able to play and and use sort of other it kind of removing that barrier to where you don't need a console or you don't need some crazy rig to to play stuff um I, i i think that's a really exciting concept going forward i i also um to me uh, boy, that Unreal Engine 5 looked really awesome. And uh, I thought it was really cool that Epic was opening it up and basically making it free until you make your first million dollars and then they charge you royalties. That, to me, is going to be huge for yep. indie devs. And I think I think the story of the last 10, 15 years has been, uh, maybe more than anything, but but some of the creativity coming out of the indie game space uh, and and... I just think that making tools more accessible and making it to where smaller numbers of teams or even just single people can make a game, um, that invariably to me is where the most exciting stuff comes from because it's not it's not being watered down by a bunch of committees or a, a big publisher looking over your shoulder. It's it's passion projects. You know, I think of things like Stardew Valley. 
or, or Undertale before that. Um, there's just, I, I think people are so fucking creative and giving them the tools to do stuff, I think is just going to open up a whole, uh, just expand that possibility. It's already opened up quite a bit. Um, and so I, I think it's it just, who knows, you know, yeah, I, I think yeah. the next 10 years are going to be awesome. I mean, you, you're like, we're, we're at a place where now like the, the, you know, co- future console generations aren't necessarily defined by like, well, the graphics are getting better and the graphics look even better. It's like the, like we finally, I think as a, as like a larger games culture, weaned ourselves off of looking at graphics as the benchmark for, for like yeah. what is progress. And like it, yeah. this, I, I, my hope is that we get more, um, I don't want to say like console generations because again I was just hoping that that would get phased out. But like for for lack of a better term, that I I hope that future console generations do do things like the you know um, the Xbox 360 and PS3 era where I, I for me like obviously graphics were a big thing, but a huge for me the most significant um, development in that era was the ease of access to like online connectivity and the, yep. you know, Xbox yep. live arcade PSN games. Like you said, yep. Brian, um, finally an, an ability for game makers that aren't watered down by committee to be able to make something really impressive and put it out on a platform that will actually be sustainable. to like, I mean, that game being seen. Yeah. Like hollow Knight was what made by three or four people. That's one of the best Metroidvanias of all. Yeah. Time. And, and like, you know, and, uh, uh, as far uh, as I uh, oh, go ahead. But yeah, and stuff like uh, even just the kinds of games and the themes they explore, Celeste and sort of, you know, a great platformer also dealt with themes of mental illness, uh, uh, Dream Daddy, the the dating simulator, <laughs> like that just wouldn't have gotten made or, or not exposed to a wider audience. So I just think it's cool that there's just lots of different things to play. You want to, there's still shoot 'em up games. There's still all kinds of, you know, it's kind of traditional video games, but I, I love the, the just the variety of stuff available now. Yeah, you guys just made an extremely compelling case for Stadia. I'm just letting you know. Uh, <laughs> big fan. Well, I, big yeah. news headline I, in five I should, to ten I years. Also Zach add, and Brian go to work for Stadia. I should also add the addendum that that uh, part part and parcel with like those developments also is the capacity for them to work in a way that actually makes sense <laughs> for a product and like you know I, the fact that it's you know, I would hope that future console generations, like things like game sharing gets easier, things like game streaming becomes more viable. I think like like the Netflix model of gaming is only going to get more popular. I would be astounded if in five I years we're so. not doing, yeah. you yeah. know, I, I at this point, I, I think I'm probably paying more for, for you know, uh, fragmented streaming services combined than I would have for bundled cable for or cable. something. Yeah. So it's like it's like with, you know, Spotify Premium and Hulu and Netflix and Game Pass and all, you know, all these uh, Apple Arcade and all these subscription services combined. I, I would hope that there's some sort of um, in a similar way that cable was where it kind of started uh, congealing everything together and presenting it as more of like a one package. I, I hope that we see some some sort of I don't know. I hope we see some sort of like uh what's the word consolidating of, of all these different services. And it just only gets easier and easier to get quality games in people's hands, just like depending on, you know, what they're I, able to tier wise afford. I will say when it comes to cloud gaming, I, I am very kind of reluctant to, <laughs> to kind of just, it, it feels like I own absolutely nothing, you know, and give up all <laughs> hardware. And, you know, I, I do think that's the other side of it. And, you know, with music now, it's just, yeah, it's just all a subscription. I don't, and, and, you know, I used to love kind of collecting CDs and, 
you know, look at all my stuff. But the convenience is so hard to be, you know. CDs. That's where they get you. Yeah, I know. CDs. CDs nuts. Boom. Boom. He got you. He got you. Oh, no. I think we have to end this show now. Let's end it there. All right. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.